God, we lift our voices to you because you are worthy. We sing you are worthy because you are. We don't pretend that you are. You're not some sham. You're not a show, oh God. We sing to you because you you deserve our praise and we long to give it to you this morning. We pray, oh God, that you would meet us here in the midst of our busyness, in the midst of our brokenness. You'd meet us here in the midst of our joy that we might know you better and that we might walk with you more faithfully. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's a special Sunday. Today's a special Sunday because it marks the first day of Advent. I had no idea what Advent was growing up. I grew up mostly in this church and typically we're kind of anti-liturgical and anti-high church, and we don't do rote things because rote things lead to kind of you just do your Sunday Christian only, right? And so I was really out of touch personally with what the Christian calendar looked like. But I discovered that Easter is not just one weekend a year. There's actually a whole season leading into Easter that a lot of Christians around the world celebrate. And the same is true of Christmas. And so today... We celebrate Advent, or at least the beginning of it. Advent is a season of expectation. It's a season of hope. It's a season of looking forward to the gift that God gave to the world. That is, God gave himself to the world in Jesus. And so, I know your Decembers are insane. Well, at least I'm, I'm, I'm taking a little bit of a leap of faith. <laughs> but I'm guessing your, your Decembers are insane with Christmas parties and wrapping up work and holiday shopping and... And, and, but I invite you to pause today to remember that God gave. And I pray that as you spend time in the midst of that, that you would find a peace and a calm and a joy. And in just a moment, I'm going to go light a candle up front to celebrate the first week of Advent. And every week we're going to light one more candle as we celebrate and look forward to the light that enters the world. Today's a special day, not only because we're having a chance to uh, begin this whole Advent season and also to talk about the Lord's Supper some, as we're going to do in a little while, but also because we're actually having the chance to say goodbye to someone. And that may not seem like a great day uh, to have to say goodbye to somebody, but this is a special occasion indeed. And so I would like for the Ruizes and for the Hattricks to come and join me up here, if they would, please. It is not that often that we plant a church. And uh, in this case, we have helped with some others in planting the Northern Hills Church, which of course... Peter and Chelsea are also involved in. And I, it's not uh, been that long ago when uh, I was somewhere. I came back from someplace and I was in my office early in the morning. Like I, I came in that morning after having been gone for a while. And Peter, had, Peter and Chelsea had been on holidays. And when I came back into the office that day, I, I had it on my mind that I needed to say to Peter, Peter... There's a church plant opportunity that's taking place. Maybe this is something in which you should be involved. Because Peter and I, over the last five years, had at times talked about things like that. And I didn't want to see 
Peter leave our church or anything. I'm very happy to have him stay here, but I just felt compelled that I needed to mention to Peter this opportunity. So he came in that morning, came into my office, you know, we kind of said hello. And then right away I said, you know, there's something on my heart I need to share with you. I said, there's a, a church plant that is going to take place here in Calgary. And I just feel compelled to let you know that this is taking place and, and that maybe you, you know, you, this is something that you could, should consider. And he kind of looked at me with this blank look on his face and he said, Kelly, he said, Chelsea and I, while we were on our holidays, thought about that and prayed about that more than anything. And he said, I came back in this morning and I was going to tell you that we have decided that we want to be church planters. And we had not talked about this before. I mean, we talked about church planting before, but we hadn't talked about it recently. There'd been no conversations. And all of a sudden, that just kind of came together. And both of us looked at each other and thought, man, it appears as though God is doing something. Well, since then, we have found ourselves uh, having these families who have decided that they're going to go and join Peter and Chelsea in what they're doing. But this actually fits perfectly with who we are as a church. This comes from our expanded vision statement. And you'll notice that point 10 on our expanded vision statement says this, church planting. One of the most significant events in the life of an individual in a church is giving birth, the miracle of multiplication. This process is an integral part of our church's health, growth, and kingdom impact. And the strategy, continue to meet regularly with the Bow Valley with Bow Valley, Oak Park, Riverview, and Ross Carrick as part of the great, Greater Calgary Church Planting Network to support and develop strategies for future church planting in Calgary as opportunity presents itself. Maintain focus on and excitement about church planting in Calgary and Western Canada. Annually include church planting in our budget. And actually that last one we haven't done for the last couple of years uh, as Journey has disbanded. But nonetheless, this is part of who we are. And we haven't talked a lot about it recently, but when this happened, when this came up, all of a sudden, Peter's going to church to plant a church, and then there's some other families who would be interested in being part of and doing that. And it's all God-ordained. It's all God-blessed. And I'm, I am so blessed to know that we have families among us who said we are interested in participating in this. And so we are going to miss Juan and Allie and their children. And we're going to miss Colin and Kara and their children. But I just can't think of better circumstances under which a family would leave us. Like, what could be better than us saying to a family, go in the name of Jesus and plant a church in the northern part of Calgary and, and help other people know who Christ is. It's just the best circumstances under which somebody is going to leave. And I'm just so grateful that we have a chance to, to participate and share in that. And so I, I'm wanting to add this, this statement to our expanded vision. I'm wanting to say here at the end that we will regularly and intentionally communicate with, celebrate with, and assist with the Northern Hills Church Plant. And that's because we have loved ones there. And because they are going to do the Lord's work in a place. And we have the privilege of being part of that. And so this morning, we have a special event planned for this. And God is going to bless us through it. And I'm going to explain that in just a moment. Let me first lead us in prayer. The kids have already done this once. So they're kind of thinking, okay, when when is this going to be over? Let's pray together. Holy Father, I would pray that you'd be with Juan and Allie and their children. 
And I pray that you'd be with Colin and Kara and their children. As these families go along with Peter and Chelsea and their children to help plant this church uh, in the northern hills section of Calgary. And God, our hearts are in one sense heavy. We don't want to say goodbye. But in another sense, we are grateful and blessed and, and, and just so excited about the opportunity that's there. And we pray great blessings on them as they go. Father, we'd ask that you'd be with them every step of the way as they continue to plan and train and prepare for this. And I pray that this is a blessing not only for them and their children, but for other families who will come to know you because of the sacrifice they've made in leaving us to go and to join uh, Peter's effort. Bless them, Father, every step of the way and watch over them. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. What's going to happen in a few moments is that we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper around this table today. And we're going to have everyone who is taking the supper uh, today, uh, they will go to the back and we need to dismiss the kids, don't we? Yeah. We need to do that right now, don't we? No? 66 clubs first, right? Okay. Anyway, let, let me get to the end of this announcement and then we'll, we'll continue. What we're going to do for the Lord's Supper is we're going to be going back and we'll go along the back wall and along this side and come through here as we serve the Lord's Supper today. And so be prepared for that. We're also going to have a chance to greet the Hatricks and the Ruiz, the Ruizes again uh, at the, as we're participating in the Lord's Supper. So that's what's going to happen here in just a moment. We're going to, though, have a 66 Club announcement first. And then Mike will continue to there to release the kids. Okay. Just before Kelly comes back up, I have no idea if he's going to say something about this, but we debated a lot this week whether to keep our kids here or let our kids go. Because we understand that the Lord's Supper is a family event that we do together, and we want them to experience that. And so just please know that we've thought that through and prayed over that this week, and it's not tritely that we've decided to uh, let our kids go. So um, with that in mind, Kelly, I invite you to come forward and lead us in the Lord's Supper. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, if you would, please. And if you are in a pew Bible, it's page 812. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17 is where we're at. And the thing I want you to notice here is the context of these words. Because the context of 1 Corinthians 11 is all about unity and disunity. There is an event taking place in the church, an event of disunity and Paul feels like it's absolutely crucial that he deals with this event of disunity. And so he begins to write, and he does this in the context of the Lord's Supper, where the disunity is so evident. And he says in verse 17, In the following directives I have no praise for you. For your meetings do more harm than good. Can you imagine they come together on a Sunday morning to have worship, and their meeting actually does more harm than good? In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, and he says come together, gather together, which obviously is a, 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 a depiction of unity, but then he says come together as a church, and he says to come together as a gathering of people, an assemblage, a community. And his, his language here is obviously very intentional. He says there are divisions among you, and to some extent I believe it. You know, it's almost like Paul says, I can't believe this. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. 
When you come together, he says, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat, for as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry, another gets drunk. Now what's happening here is that this is the Lord's Supper is taking place in the context of a meal. In the ancient world, there were people who were very wealthy. There were also some people who were extremely poor. You had people who were slave owners and you had slaves and probably half the population were slaves. And so within the church here, you have a great disparity within the members and they come together to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And there's a huge problem. Apparently, some people are bringing lots of food and then maybe not sharing all of it, going ahead and eating, even though some people don't have much. Some people have brought wine and they're obviously celebrating the Lord's Supper. And so there's wine there. And getting drunk in the process. It's a a total disaster in terms of what the church and the Lord's Supper is supposed to be. Verse 22. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. For I can receive from the Lord what I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And I hold on to that idea here that he says, Do this in remembrance of me. We're going to talk about that in the second half here today. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new... the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Obviously a very important part of the Lord's Supper. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Now it strikes me when I read that line, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner. You know, a lot of times when we hear that, we think, well, you know, I wasn't focused or I was, you know, I've got sin in my life or whatever. I shouldn't be taking the Lord's Supper. Well, which of you doesn't have sin in your life and therefore is worthy to take the Lord's Supper on that basis? Any of you? Of course not. So clearly the problem is not just sin in general. I've been sinning and so I'm unworthy to take the Lord's Supper. I thought it was the sinners who were forgiven in Jesus who do take the Lord's Supper. So what is the problem here? Well, the whole context of them taking the Lord's Supper unworthily is that there's a great deal of disunity within the body. And this whole disparaging or a discrepancy between who has got wealth and who doesn't and who's eating and who's not. And, and they're not caring for each other. They're not unified in this even in their church service. And he says, that is unworthy taking of the Lord's Supper. And he wants us clearly to discern the body, as he's going to say here. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. What is he going to examine himself about? Well, here, he's going to examine himself about how he's getting along with his brothers and sisters in Christ, how he's treating them. Even the rich, how are they treating the slaves? For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. And I'm convinced that the reference is really the body of the Lord in the sense of the church. That's why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if, judged, but if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we're being dis- disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. And clearly he's saying 
this sickness and these things that are happening to you, it's judgment by God because you aren't living as you should even in the assembly. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, and again, notice that language of coming together to eat. He finishes out with the point that he's been making all the way. Wait for each other. If anyone is hungry, he should eat at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. Well, if I was to ask you then, what is Paul's problem with the Lord's Supper and what is his focus on in this passage? Well, Paul's focus is on the body taking together the supper. And it's, it's on the, the people sitting over on this side being in love with the people who are on this side. And the people in the middle being absolutely influenced by and living out that love across the board. We are to care for one another in the body of Christ. And for us today, this is perfect. Because Colin and Kara and Juan and Ali are celebrating today with us the supper. And we are together with them in celebrating the supper, even as we prepare to send them out to do the Lord's work. And so today we are going to do that. We're going to share specifically in the supper with these two families and with each other as we live out among ourselves this morning the unity and the bond that Christ has allowed us to enjoy together in him. So what's going to happen is that we're going to have Juan and Ali and we're going to have Colin and Kara come and take the supper first. They're going to come to the table and take the supper and then they're going to go back and sit where they're sitting now. And then we're all going to, I'll tell you when, and we'll all go to the back and form a big line and come through and take the Lord's Supper ourselves. And then you have a chance, if you want to, to go over and tell them you love them or to give them a hug and for us to send them off. Because we're a family and we have people leaving us. And it's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. That Jesus is sending them out. And we're going to participate today in their sending and in their work as we fellowship with them during this sacred meal that God has given us to share together in him. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that you're here with us today. And that your spirit is present. And that we have a chance together to share with Colin and Kara and Juan and Ali this special meal that you've given us to celebrate together what it is that your son has done and the unity that we receive from your spirit as a body. And Father, we pray that, that this time together will be one that, that lasts in our hearts and that is a great blessing for them as they share with us the supper. It's through Christ we pray. Amen. I'd like now for you uh, to get up from where you are and to go to the back and come around, get in the line, we'll take the Lord's Supper together. If you're not able to get up and do that, and it's certainly possible there's some among us who are not, 
part of being a body and being unified is that we would care for one another, and certainly at a time like this. And so if you're around someone who uh, isn't getting up, if you know someone there who's not be able to come and share at the, this table this morning, then would you please make sure that you take the cup and the bread to them and serve the supper to them? Okay? Please, let's celebrate the supper together. And we do indeed adore Christ. And so we shared in the supper today together because we're family who does that. Because scripture calls us to share together in the supper. And we did it today because of the unity that we share with one another in the body of Christ and because some of our members are going But we also do it because Jesus wanted us to to specifically remember him in the midst of taking this meal. You know, it's interesting. In in the Matthew version, Matthew's version and in Mark's version, the words, this do in remembrance of me, don't show up. And it only shows up once in the Gospel of Luke, like... It's only with the bread. It's not with the fruit of the vine. But in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul includes it twice. Jesus obviously said it twice. And so in the context of being together and being an assembly of God's people, taking the supper together, clearly the idea of remembering Jesus needs to be forefront on our minds. And memories are like this. Remembering is like this. I I was thinking this week about how many times I have mentioned to you folks on a Sunday morning some memory from my childhood. Like you guys probably have heard it so much you could tell the story as well as I can about, like you'll remember my, my father died in 1978 and so it's been just a little over 35 years since dad died. My mother died in 1968. And so it's just been a little over 45 years since my mother passed away. But it's very common for me on a Sunday morning to make some reference to my parents before you. And, you know, it's because I'm thinking about something meaningful to me and a memory from my parents childhood and life with my parents will come to my mind and and memories do that to us when i remember them i i think and feel things deeply and so when i'm sharing with you on a sunday morning and something is on my heart and my mind and i'm feeling it deeply then that kind of memory floods into my soul at that moment And I think of those meaningful experiences that meant so much to me. You know, I've shared before about uh, in in 68 when mom passed away, she she had leukemia and uh, she, you know, in those days, kids didn't go to the hospitals the way they do now. And so it was months that I hadn't seen my mom. And then it was Christmas time. And so she she was allowed to come home from the hospital and she was with us for just a week or so. And I can remember, like yesterday, her pushing the the IV trolley around the house. Um, 
you know, and then after Christmas, she went back to the hospital and she died in February. And I didn't see her between Christmas and February. I didn't see her because we just didn't see each other in those days in the hospital. But there were other things that happened. Like I, I can remember being home, you know, at, around at that Christmas time and and how the presents under our tree, they, they were just stacked so high. They completely filled our living room. And it's because everyone knew that my mother was going to be passing away soon. And my father, like my dad had 11 brothers and sisters. And so all my aunts and uncles, all of these relatives of mine, they flooded us with gifts. And so I think of that Christmas time often. Every Christmas it comes around. I'll probably talk about it again before the month is out. And it comes back to my mind, these wonderful memories of being with my mother for the last time at Christmas. And her, her being there, and it was the last time I ever saw her. And so I had these intense remembrances. And so it makes so much sense to me that Jesus would say, do this in remembrance of me. Because he knew that we need that. We need those remembrances to keep us going, to cement in our minds what it is that's significant. To bring back into focus those things which are absolutely most important. And so we don't just participate in a ritual. And I know it can get that way. We sometimes, we take this Lord's Supper Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And sometimes you just think, well, it, you know, it just becomes a habit, a ritual. May it never be. May it always be the case that when we participate together in this meal of remembrance, that it means to us something profound. And so today, I want Colin and Kara and Juan and Allie to remember the moment for the rest of their lives when this church family said goodbye to them. (laughs) And when we shared together in this supper to solidify the relationship that we have together with them in Christ. That will be for me a memory. I hope it is for you too. We remember always Jesus. And we together proclaim his death until he comes. Let's pray. Holy Father, I thank you today for the privilege of being able to take your supper with my brothers and sisters. Help us never to take this moment lightly and always be grateful for what it is that you've given us in this time together. We praise you for it through Christ. Amen.